It is a very exciting scripture reading for today. Jesus makes this huge scene in the courtyard of the temple. He comes tearing in. He flips over the tables of the money changers. He drives everyone else out. In the Gospel of John, he fashions his own whip and chases after people, driving them out of the courtyard. Now, that's all well and good, very exciting, but doesn't really help understand what's going on because why Jesus drives the money changers out, they sort of say that, right? This is to be a, this is to be a house of prayer for all nations, not a den of robbers. Jesus explains why he drives them out. But it doesn't explain why the money changers are there in the first place. Now, the courtyard of the temple, it's not just some marketplace where all manner of commerce is just going on. There's a very good reason why the money changers are there. Because when people made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem from all over the country, they were supposed to give the temple an offering. And the first thing you have to know is how much the offering was supposed to be. Now, the offering was to support the temple itself. It was to make sure that the temple could still be the center of religious life for the people. But how much were people supposed to give? What would be the amount that they were supposed to give to support the center of religious life? What is the right amount to give? That has a lot of ins and outs in today's world. But in Jesus' day, what you were supposed to give was very simple, very straightforward. One half shekel. One half shekel, the same for a rich person as for a poor person. It's the same for young or old, for pious priest or notorious roustabout, one half shekel. It's symbolic of the equal value of all life, the equality of all people in the eyes of God. It's very nice. It's very nice. It's a, a progress-minded law intended to communicate and reinforce that all people are endowed with holy worth in God's eyes, standing on the same footing as all others worshiping God whatever their social standing. That's the first thing you have to understand. Everyone was to give one half shekel. That still doesn't explain, though, why there's money changers. And that gets to the second part that you have to understand about what a shekel is. Now, a shekel, it, it's a coin, it's true. It's, it, it's a kind of a currency. But shekel actually is a unit of weight. It's a unit of weight, like a pound or a kilogram. You could go to the market and buy a shekel of flour or a shekel of meat or a shekel of silver. And that's where the word shekel, meaning the coin, meaning the currency, that's where that word comes from. A shekel coin weighed exactly one shekel of silver, in theory. And that's where the trouble starts coming in. That's where we start getting these money changers in the mix. The trouble is that this progress-minded tradition starts running into difficulties because, unlike today, where a dollar bill is a dollar bill is a dollar bill, in Jesus' day, a shekel coin was not always worth the same thing. Because the shekel coins that were minted in, in say, the, the Decapolis, the ten cities to the east of the River Jordan, they contained far less silver than the shekel coins minted in the city of Tyre on the Mediterranean Sea, like maybe half as much silver. 
Not close. Everybody knew this. Everybody knew this, that the Tyrian shekel contained the most silver. But it didn't really matter for a person's daily life. When they're in their hometown, in the Decapolis, everybody has Decapolis shekels. In Tyre, everybody has Tyrian shekels. It's no problem. It doesn't really make any practical difference what the silver content of your coins are. Except when you're making your pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And everybody from the Decapolis and everybody from Tyre would all travel to Jerusalem, each carrying their one half shekel intended to be an equal gift, showing their equal standing before God. But the people of Tyre would say, hey, my Tyrian shekel has twice as much silver as that monopoly money that they call a shekel over there in the Decapolis. I thought this was supposed to be about equality, and here I am paying double. Ah, progress. It's complicated when it runs into real life. So the temple had to make progress on the progress. They said, all right, all right, everybody has to pay the same thing, one half shekel, but it's going to be the Tyrian half shekel. Consistency, equality, problem solved, right? Progress achieved. That lasted for a while. That lasted for a while. People from Tyre were satisfied, and everybody was at least on the same footing again. But now the folks from the Decapolis are saying, where am I supposed to get a Tyrian half shekel? That's clear on the other side of the country. It's not fair for me to have to schlep across the whole country to get access to this weird coin and hold on to this weird money for a whole year just for the temple at Passover. That's not fair. Ah, progress! It's so difficult. So the temple authorities say, all right, you've got a point. That's very inconvenient. We'll make sure that there are money changers at the temple itself, in the courtyard. Whether you're coming from Galilee in the north, or the Decapolis in the east, or Jericho in the south, wherever you're coming from, you can change your local currency over into the official, temple-approved, equality-assured Tyrian half shekel. You can do it on your way in. No muss, no fuss, problem solved. Progress achieved, right? No, no, because the money changers, the money changers, of course, they were charging a fee for their services. Money changers got to eat too. The money changers are charging a fee for their services. It wasn't a lot per transaction, but they had to make it worth their while. And while this fee would be basically nothing to a rich person, to a poor person, it would substantially increase what they were paying. Not to mention the fact that the people from Tyre didn't have to pay any conversion at all. So now the people from the Decapolis began to complain again, and ah, every time, every time the temple authorities tried to achieve some kind of progress, they kept running into some new hurdle, some new challenge, some new need to make progress on the progress, no matter how much progress they made. So at some point, the temple authorities, they just kind of threw up their hands and said, that's it. That's it. That's as much progress as there's going to be. All right? We're done. Everybody pays the same thing. The Tyrian half shekel, everybody has access to the same money changers. They're right in the courtyard. And other than that, we're done with progress. I'm tired of saying the word progress. That's the 13th time I said the word progress. <laughs> 14! So that's how it stayed for a long time. 
year after year, pilgrimage after pilgrimage. Until one year, a poor man came from the north, riding on, the don riding on a donkey at the head of a great crowd of worshipers coming into the courtyard. He started a ruckus, overturning the table of the money changers, upsetting the status quo, calling again for progress to be made, saying that this was supposed to be a house of prayer for all people. Remember? This offering was supposed to be about all people being equal in God's sight. Remember? Jesus overturning the tables of the money changers. It's a story that raises for me the difficulty of progress and why we as Christians must always be striving, must always be striving for progress that we can never be satisfied with what has come before but must always challenge ourselves to go further. Now, I take this seriously because I'm somebody who cares about religious ritual. I'm somebody who cares about the organization of religious life and practice. I'm somebody who wants to see the practices of Christian faith be inclusive and upholding the dignity of all people and also support the life of the temple, the, the church, so that this can be the center of religious life for any who would come. Just like they were trying to do with the Tyrian half-shekel thing. We try. And I take this story seriously because I honestly get why the temple authorities at some point just said, you know what? We're tired. We're all through with progress. We're going to call this good enough. I understand how a religious community could decide to stick with the status quo or how a, a business could decide that it's just too much work to be constantly reforming. How a city, how a country could decide, we're done here. Progress achieved. We're going to call this good enough. But if any of you have ever been a bit tired, finding yourself in need of some motivation for how to take up progress again, if you have ever been tired, I have got some good news for you, Christians, and that is that we cannot grow weary of progress. And I do not mean that in a metaphorical sense. I do not mean this in a hortatory sort of may we not grow weary sort of way. That is not what I mean. We cannot grow weary of progress because Jesus is coming. And he is coming to overturn the tables of any unjust structures anything that stands in the way of God's children striving. And if we want our tables to be right side up, then we cannot stop our progress. We don't have a Tyrian shekel today. And this is a congregational church. I can't tell you what to do. Thanks be to God. You get to decide. You get to decide what is for you a generous life. You get to decide how in your time and your talent and your treasure, how you will work in the coming year to help this church make progress, to make the gospel in the world progress. It is the generosity of the spirit of the members of the church that drives what we do here. It is the faithfulness and witness of the church of Christians that 
expands and furthers the gospel. Be generous. Be generous and find what is for you a joyful and meaningful contribution to this, to this household of faith, to the cause of the gospel abroad. Be generous. Find a way of living in the world that is a blessing to those around you because Jesus is coming. Riding on a donkey and at the head of a ragtag crowd. And Jesus will flip over any tables in the church that are dividing the people. And I don't want our tables flipped over. They are nicely carved. Intricate. Keep our tables right side up. Live a generous life.